0: Welcome back. This is the Alligator Sports Podcast. I am your host, Michael Hall. We have a great show today. Uh, The Alligator's football writer, Topher Adams, comes on the pod to talk about Florida football, Anthony Richardson, the matchup against Tennessee this weekend, and some other stuff. We get into a little lacrosse, a little Notre Dame football. It's a great interview. Stick around for that, as well as a recap of all of Gator Sports last week and a preview of the week to come let's ride. This week in Gators sports, Florida volleyball traveled up to Madison and took down the fourth ranked Wisconsin Badgers in five sets. Back home in Gainesville, Florida football beat the USF Bulls 31-28. Running back Montrell Johnson led the way with 103 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Gators men's and women's cross country both finished second at the SEC preview meet last Friday at Old Miss. Florida men's golf finished in a tie for second as a unit at the Fighting Illini Invitational, while golfer Ricky Castillo finished in a tie for second individually. Finally, Florida soccer fell 2-1 to, to the Tennessee Volunteers last Friday. Florida will look to snap its three-game losing streak on Thursday at Mississippi. And now here's my interview with Topher Adams. Topher, thank you so much for joining the Alligator Sports Podcast. Uh, we really appreciate it. How are How you doing on this on this fine Tuesday morning?
1: Uh, I'm I'm excellent, uh, Michael. Uh, really appreciate coming on. It's been I don't know three four months since I've been on any podcast. I love talking, <laughs> hearing some good conversation. It should be fun. Uh, got some football stuff on tap today, so it should, should be a good one.
0: Yes, we definitely have some football stuff on tap. Obviously, Florida came out with the victory against USF, 31-28, 30, to 28, but I guess a win is a win. Um, obviously, after the start to the season, they had knocking off a top-10 team in Utah. Expectations were high, and then they lose to Kentucky. And I think a lot of people were still like, okay, but this is still a solid team, could win you 9-10 know, games. And then they barely beat the Bulls on Saturday. What did you see during that game? Obviously, you were in the press box. What did you see in that game? Um, and what do you think of this team specifically, Anthony Richardson, going forward?
1: Yeah, um, Billy Napier was asked in the post-game press conference, kind of, kind of a similar question, like, what did he think of the team's trajectory, especially after struggling with a team in South Florida who. You know they're one and two they got beat by 30 points by byu in the season opener they've struggled pretty much consistently since jeff scott got there in 2020 Um, but he pushed back on that you know he said he had a lot of good things to say about south florida and you know typical coach speak that he's just you know it's hard to win you know every win's great and there's some truth to that honestly usf played incredibly well Um, probably the best i've seen usf play and I've seen a shockingly large amount of USF games since Jeff Scott's been there. This is one of their better games. You know they were really creative uh, in ways they ran the ball, uh, ways they kept the ball moving on offense. Really challenged Florida, especially their young linebackers without Ventrell Miller in the middle. Uh, so you know it was, it was Scooby Williams and Shamar James taking a lot of a lot of the run, and they struggled with some of the read option stuff some of the misdirection stuff so did you have to give a lot of credit to South Florida but as you mentioned you know the big question now you know is less anything with the defense or whatever it's it's the offense and particularly Anthony Richardson I mean in in (laughs) in three weeks we've gone if you look on Twitter just look on who who people are comparing Anthony Richardson to and you'll see how things are going we went from week one oh yeah, the three second weeks
0: we went from second coming of Tim Tebow, Cam Newton, to bench this guy. This is yeah. Henry Jones all over again. What's going on? Which is why I wanted to get your opinion on it because I'm of the belief that obviously uh Napier came out and said the backup situation has something to do with Richardson's. I don't know if it's an unwillingness to run the football or him just not running the football and using his athleticism, which like that's his calling card, right? I mean, you're going to take away his ability to run and be mobile. That's like taking away Superman's ability to fly. So I want to hear your thoughts on that and kind of, especially going into the grunt of the schedule, kind of what you see Anthony Richardson looking like the rest of the season. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's definitely, I certainly believe that, that the backup situation is why we haven't seen much in the way of Anthony Richardson in the run game. Um, you know, Jalen Kitna and Kyle Angle might be serviceable players, but one's a former walk on and the other is a redshirt freshman who I don't even know if he's ever stepped foot on a college field, even like in a blowout situation so it's kind of anthony richardson or nothing at quarterback um there's also he he's talked a little bit and people have noticed he he picked up not an injury like it's not like a serious injury but he he's had some little some wear and tear stuff especially against kentucky that certainly is affecting him and when you watch like he's not quick to run. They don't do stuff. There's not, I haven't, I don't know if I've seen a single like read option type of look for him or anything to get him moving really. Um, so he's kind of turned him into this straight drop back pocket passer and he he's not doing that particularly well right now. Uh, he might be able to do that at some point in his career and he shows flashes of being a very good uh passer in that's that setup but right now it's not working for him and you know if you go 10 of 18 with 112 yards and two interceptions against usf uh i'm worried what happens when you play georgia in jacksonville because georgia makes everybody look worse than that (laughs) so if that's how you look against usf what happens when you play georgia what happens when you go on the road to play texas a&m it's it's definitely troubling, um, but the good thing for Florida is that even without Anthony Richardson in the run game, the run game has been very, very good. Even against Kentucky, it was very, very good. It was great again. Uh, the two young running backs, especially Montrell Johnson and uh, Trevor Etienne have been fantastic. The offensive line has been pretty good, uh, even with the injury, uh, right tackle, the Tarquin. Uh, but yeah, definitely a pass game has a long, long, long long way to go right now yeah no
0: 100 and i wanted to get into that running game specifically that running back group like you mentioned montreal johnson trevor etienne and then naquan right as well obviously napier is dividing up the carries pretty much equally um etn's got 22 on the year montreal 25 naquan 24 montreal johnson's averaging 9.6 yards per carry yeah. trevor Etienne's averaging 7.5 naquan's averaging 4.2, which is not bad. Um, like this is a very very good running football team and do you think that that group will be able to carry this offense as Richardson kind of works out some of the kinks in his passing game? Because I agree with you. I think he'll get there as a passer. People forget that was his what? Fourth career start, fifth career start last week. I, I don't even know if he's thrown 100 career passes yet. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, he's thrown 77 this season. Like, people people forget he's still a very young quarterback. I think a lot of fans saw the Utah game, saw his ability to just break a game open, and are like, oh, Heisman, first overall pick. This is the <laughs> guy. Look how big he is. Look how strong his arm is. And it's like he still has a way to go to develop. So as he does that, do you think this rushing offense can carry the offense in general and kind of help them compete with some of these upper tier offenses in the SEC?
1: Yes, for now. Um, Basically, Florida's next three opponents, which are Tennessee, uh, Eastern Washington, and Missouri, if I'm remembering correctly, I personally believe the rushing offense just by itself is good enough to win all three of those games. Um, Definitely, Eastern Washington, and Missouri, no disrespect to those two teams, but they are on the struggle bus, or Eastern Washington's FCS team. Florida should be able to beat them pretty handily. And then Missouri is in a tough spot <laughs> this season. Um, but Tennessee, like, as a defense, they can't, they've only played one team worth mentioning this season. That was on the road at Pittsburgh. And when you take away sack yards, like, Pitt ran the ball pretty well against Tennessee's defense um so you know florida's offensive line has been very good in the run really for the past two seasons in a row and especially now with uh, osiris torrance on the on the right at right guard and these especially the two young running backs uh, naquan's been good too but montreal and Etienne have been fantastic through three weeks and should probably shoulder most of the load moving forward especially on rundowns naquan's probably a better pass catcher than either of them but those two guys are very explosive. Um, Montrose the most physical of the three. Um, that kind of rotation, I think, is good enough that as long as Anthony Richardson as a passer is is neutral. He doesn't have to be a net positive for the offense. He just can't be a negative. As long as he's just not actively hurting the team, the running game is single-handedly good enough that it can keep Florida in all three of these next games and probably can win all three of them, depending on what the defense looks like.
0: Yeah, and we'll get into Tennessee in a minute. I have a, a few more questions about the Gators in general. Um, where's Ricky Pearsall? He leads he leads the receiving, the the receivers in yardage, and has seven receptions on the year. Um, I don't personally I don't understand because I think he's far and away the best receiver on this team. Have you seen anything from? The play calling is it? He's not getting open. Is it Richardson can't get him the ball? What's going on there?
1: Uh, that's a great question. And honestly, you can uh, you can ask that question about all the receivers. Yeah, (laughs) really, because a part of me thinks maybe this receiving group as a whole isn't quite up to SEC standards. But even still, it is. It's weird because Pearsall, I agree, is is the best one in this room. He's the most impressive through through three games, but one catch last week, you know, less than 10 catches a season. Um I, I'm I don't know. I, I think a lot of it is the kind of erratic passing from Richardson himself, but I definitely think it, it'd be worth in investigating some of some of the play calling, especially in the passing game. I don't know if it's been nearly as efficient or effective at scheming guys open as you'd like and then combining that with making easy throws for for anthony to kind of get into a rhythm and find these guys i don't i think that's one thing that in the past game how we haven't seen it enough of is the nice easy motion throws you know the like guy in motion, dump it off to him in the flat you know easy completions to just get Anthony super comfortable instead of, cause I feel like a lot of the passing game is he's, he's doing like a five-step drop and then it's kind of stepping up, firing into a tight window over the middle. It's like, he can do that. We've seen him do that, but you know, I don't think there's a, it's too much of stuff like that and not enough, you know, keeping it easy, letting Pearsall and Xavier Henderson make plays in the open field. Cause even if they're not the best most dynamic athletes to ever play wide receiver in history you know they're still pretty good athletes and you know just give them a chance and make things easier for a quarterback who's young and kind of struggling a little bit to start the year yeah i agree
0: i think i think we'll see some of that or at least i hope we'll see some of that um, in these next couple of weeks um because we know billy napier is a good coach and a good play caller Um, I think he'll get Richardson to settle down a little bit. So looking forward this week, UF has their first road game in Knoxville against the 11th ranked Tennessee volunteers who you mentioned their defense is a little suspect, but that offense is not. I mean, Hendon, Hendon hooker is legit. Um, I personally would have him in the Heisman conversation right now. 844 yards, six touchdowns through the air. I mean, he has looked sharp all year long. And the Gators defense just gave up 400 yards to USF last week. <laughs> and now they go on the road. They won't have the advantage of the swamp rivalry game. How do you see them even containing this volunteer offense?
1: It it's going to be quite the challenge um this Tennessee offensive scheme has it's really like the same kind of stuff that Baylor ran in like the early 2010s and kind of took over college football and this this attack under Josh Heupel and all the other variations of it is when you have a good efficient quarterback like Hennon Hooker is it is close to unstoppable sometimes it is genuinely terrifying for defenses especially just the almost comical tempo that they run at. If they complete a pass, like the next ball is going to get snapped in like 10 seconds max. Like if they string plays together, you cannot, you won't get them off the field. They'll probably score a touchdown. The only hope for Florida is to kind of force early incompletions, you know, try and force havoc plays in the offensive backfield because that's the only. Because if they get in a role and they get tempo, there's no chance. And the problem with, especially Florida, I mentioned the young linebackers without Ventrell Miller, we'll see if Ventrell's available this week, but a lot of people don't expect him to be ready this week. Again, we'll see Wednesday with the depth chart and uh, Coach Napier will address all that at the Wednesday media availability. But if it's those young linebackers, again, running the middle of the field, you know, at tempo (laughs) against like a fifth-year senior quarterback that's been in the system for two seasons now very effectively, I don't know how Florida keeps that close. Um, I think it's going to take a lot of complimentary football as well. You have to keep Tennessee's offense off the field as much as possible. So I think that's going to mean a lot more mm-hmm. run game, which a lot of Florida fans want regardless. But you know, slow slow down the offense, run the ball as much as possible, control the clock, limit possessions for Tennessee, and then on the flip side, try and force early havoc plays and completions, get a turnover or two. Um, I think that's something we could see more of from Florida's defense as well as just more dis- general disruption. We saw a little bit of that against South Florida. I think that's something that they'll try and do just to just, just you have to break Tennessee's rhythm. <laughs> that's kind of the the long and the short of it. That, that's what T- Florida has to do, and we'll see if they're capable of doing that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think, like I was saying, I mean, Hendon Hooker is a legit threat. I don't think the running game is that strong. So if Ventrell is out, I think that will at least somewhat help the Gators since the secondary is probably stronger than that running game, which isn't saying a ton, but still. And then if you look back, you mentioned earlier, Tennessee's only had one game that really, matters for our purposes against Pitt. I mean, Pitt had a running back over a buck 54 and a touchdown. Like the Tennessee defense is not super strong. UF should be able to run against it. Um if you have to predict right now, obviously it's Tuesday at 10:25 while we're recording and the game's not till Saturday. Uh if you need any help, the line is Tennessee minus 11. So Vegas does not think this will be a close game what are what are your thoughts
1: uh I don't know like the rational part of my brain kind of can't help but agree with like I don't see based off the last two games with Florida's completely erratic passing game a young quarterback who's pretty mistake prone a defense that is prone to getting gashed um like that part of your brain is like oh yeah Tennessee will easily romp but there are little tiny data points from the last two years that I just personally feel like Florida could play better than they're supposed to. You know, I, I meet my brain for whatever reason immediately thinks of like the Georgia game last year, especially in the first half. Like Florida's roster is always going to be pretty talented. And if this is a group that's fully motivated and locked in, It'll show that. And that first half against Georgia, up until Anthony Richardson uh kind of melted and threw a couple of bad interceptions. It was really close. And like this team was, they looked at the level of the eventual national champions. And, and rolling over to this year, you think against the Utah game, they looked really, really good against the top 10 opponent. They were really dialed in. So part of me thinks Florida, like it's a group of gamers, you know, a group of guys like they're in a big game everything ratchets up you know they're a little bit more focused they're a little bit more disciplined they're a little bit more they execute at a slightly higher level i think that's incredibly possible and then with anthony richardson in particular someone pointed this out on twitter that i saw was really interesting his best performances as a freshman last season when he played a little bit were actually all on the road Mm -hmm. you know against usf that was on the road he played in death valley at lsu hundred thousand crazy fans in that situation and he led several touchdown drives and looked really really good in times yeah um so it's not like this is his first road appearance first time facing a hundred thousand hostile fans like maybe he's better on the road maybe the pressure's off him a little bit I don't know so
0: I do think there's a different type of energy when you come in as the starter on the road that's very true true. yet I think when you come in in relief as a backup, you see it all the time, whether it's in the NFL or college or even high school, you come in, the adrenaline's going, you're a backup, you're just trying to make something happen, right? And now AR comes in, he's the unquestioned starter, going into Knoxville. Like you said, 100,000 streaming fans. Like, obviously, as my biased self, does not like Tennessee or Tennessee fans, but – they can they can get loud they can get rowdy. Yeah. I think that'll be really interesting to watch and see what happens when AR actually starts his first game on the road. Cuz like you were saying, he's played well on the road. He played very well in Death Valley. Florida Georgia was a neutral site game. That was his first career start. He looked pretty good in that first half. Um and then obviously USF I mean he had he was 3 of 3 for a buck 52 <laughs> and two touchdowns last uh last year against USF. So I don't know, we'll see. I think I agree with you. I do think that Florida will lose this game. Plus 11 is a lot.
1: Yeah, that's a lot that, to that, cover. that feels
0: like a lot. Especially in, you know, a rivalry game, a top 20 matchup, and Florida still has talent. So I don't know if Tennessee will cover that. Yeah. Um, but I do I think I think their offense is just too powerful. I don't I don't know if I think Florida's offense will be able to keep up for the first half. I don't know if they'll be able to keep up for four quarters because I envision Hendon Hooker just having his way with the Florida defense. Yeah.
1: And obviously we can talk about this game in the, the vacuum of, of 2022 and this season and these teams, but this is weird for Florida mm-hmm. to be the underdog against Tennessee, to be expected to lose to Tennessee. I, I, I don't have it off the top of my head, but it's been a long time since Tennessee won this game uh like i don't think dan mullen never lost to tennessee in his time at florida tennessee's kind of struggled with florida since steve spurrier has been the head coach obviously they had their back and forth back when both were good programs but really since the year 2000 it's kind of been all florida in this series
0: yeah florida hasn't lost to tennessee since 2016 which was in knoxville and before that it was 2004
1: yeah. So one win basically in 20 years. Mm-hmm. And that one win was one of Florida's weakest seasons. Um I don't that's really interesting. It's just weird. Even last <laughs> or, year, even last year's team blew out Tennessee. That's true. I, I remember that was like probably Florida's best game last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, like two, three touchdown, comfortable victory at home against a pretty good Tennessee team last year, too.
0: Who knows? Rivalry games can get weird. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see because I think this game defines the season for Florida. If they can win, they'll rattle off wins against Eastern Washington and Mizzou. And then if they can beat LSU, which LSU is a train wreck, that's a whole different story. We can get into Brian Kelly in a minute if you want. <laughs> big, big Notre Dame guy over there. If they can beat Tennessee and go in with one loss, go into Georgia. I mean that's a successful season right there in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree with you. This is definitely a a reflection point of the season, you know. Especially I think after the Kentucky loss it this kind of, Tennessee defines Florida's hierarchy in the division. You know, Georgia's clearly number 1, clearly number 1 in the country. They're kind of a different beast altogether, but you know, Kentucky's probably number 2 now because they beat Florida. So if Florida is you know, in that same group, you know, that top tier, top 20, top 15 team that they look like against Utah, they kind of need to win this game. You know, like you're talking about like winning this game and what that would mean for how good Florida actually is this year. Like that's probably the difference between like nine and three, eight and four and like six and six, seven and five. And I think everything is definitely on the table record wise. And, you know, if they go into Tennessee and get get boat raced and they lose by three or four touchdowns oh boy <laughs> that's going to be a fun message board day and i think i don't i don't expect that but like would that really surprise you that that much i don't know i really don't know
0: no i agree it'll be it'll be a good one to watch um i have a few more questions not about Florida football, but if you follow Tofer on Twitter, at <laughs> Topher underscore Adams, he's talking about three things. It's Gator football, it's Notre Dame football, and of it's course. lacrosse. Of so course. I'm going to ask you a little bit about lacrosse and Notre Dame football, if you're cool with that.
1: Oh, every day, any time. <laughs> I will talk about those two. I'll talk about those three things anytime with anybody at any place. Oh, believe me, I know.
0: Um, because so we're going to start with the PLL championship happened on Sunday. My water dogs, my beloved water dogs, hell yeah, took home the title. Um, I don't know if you're ever to watch any of that oh, game. Of oh, I did PLL Sunday. Okay, oh, you I did. watched the game. Um, maybe describe a little bit just for people who don't watch lacrosse, what's so great about it, and then we can get into the water dog season.
1: Yeah, so there's kind of this, this running. I guess, phrase with lacrosse, they call it the fastest game on two feet. And I don't know, you can do the math to see if it's actually faster than basketball. I don't know. But it is incredibly fast. It's very fluid. Um, I, mean, I I personally find stick sports just really cool. I think the control, the skill required to play a stick sport, which lacrosse is, is, is really cool. It's fun to watch. Um, and then, you know, at the professional level, it's just like the silliest skill. And then especially when you get into like playoff time, you add the silly, ridiculous skill with like legitimate intensity and guys are hitting guys are flying across field, you know, crazy effort plays. It's just, I don't know. I think it has a lot of the best elements of a lot of the best sports all kind of wrapped into one. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of unique, but also being familiar. That kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then Michael Sowers, Sowers. All oh, I love him. dog.
0: He is that dude. He's that dude. Attackman from Duke Uh championship MVP in his uh, second year. I mean, just talk about this team: Sours dog, Dylan Ward, Dogging cage. Oh. I mean, they've got talent up and they down got, that roster. Dude. And it's really impressive to go from. They were an expansion team. What? Three seasons two, ago. Two
1: years ago. In two, the bubble. Yeah. 2020.
0: 2020 they were an expansion team they come in last in 2020 i believe they were first in the regular season in 2021 and now they're on the mountaintop in 2022 that's the beauty of sports right there is that you can and their whole mantra is every game is a revenge game i mean if you want to root for an underdog you want to root for fun storylines that's why i love watching lacrosse so much obviously i played it in high school so i know the sport well Hmm. um just Talk a little bit about just the water dogs in general.
1: You know, it's funny. I have like a little bit of connection, like a tiny bit of connection with the water dogs. I was working over the summer, a story that fell through about Michael Sauer. So I I, I talked to the coach of the water dogs, Andy Copeland. He's just a cool, he's a cool guy. You know, he's built a really interesting group of dudes. And more than these guys being good, like, these are these are the guys like these these are dudes you know these are like stand up fun guys um you know michael sowers is awesome comically fast throw lacrosse player gritty tough good leader um i hit 400 assists in high school that's a fun stat <laughs> how do you, um, wait how do you just know this i'm the lacrosse guy i, I remember lacrosse stats um the real star of their team is is kieran McArdle. um kieran is my guy i wrote a story about him back in the bubble on my own personal blog he just let me talk to him when i was a complete nobody who had no idea how journalism worked kieran's that guy he's been he's like top 15 all-time in professional scoring uh he's the best and really only notable lacrosse player in the history of saint john's in uh, new york um he's awesome i love kieran he's he's the best you know he startled to start the season and then just kind of put the team on his back, put it up a ton of points. Uh, Zach Courier is the best all around player in the world. Canadian legend. Uh, you mentioned Dylan Ward. This is his second <laughs> championship in three months because he's just different like that. Uh, water dogs are really fun different. And, uh, man. I, I, honestly, I could just list down everybody on this team is like a dude. Like Ethan Walker is a dude. You got to love Ethan Walker. Steve DiNapoli is a. Dude, love d There DM are some Burns great
0: the characters best. in lacrosse, man. There are some just great guys. Um, yes. And if any of our 10 listeners like <laughs> lacrosse, tweet at me or Tofer because I think you're the only guy I know that, like, loves professional lacrosse so much, which is awesome. Uh, before I let you go, oh yeah, we're going to talk a little Notre Dame football. Not the best start to the season for your Fighting oh. Irish. Obviously one and two, but they got got in the win column against Cal with my guy Drew Pine. Drew Anon is here. Um, I have personal relationship connection with the Pine family and with Drew, so it was awesome to see him play well in that second half. I won't talk about the first half. Um, I want I want your thoughts on the Irish and on Pine going forward because they have a big game against UNC at three thirty on ABC this Saturday
1: yeah um it's hard to say you like what you've seen through three weeks from 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 the university of notre dame men's football program um i love marcus freeman as a person like he's probably my favorite like from just a personal standpoint just as a dude he might be my favorite coach ever he's just so personable and likable and he says all the right things in a very earnest way so I want to see him succeed so badly. And to see him lose his first three games all very disappointing fashion just kind of hurt, just kind of killed your soul a little bit. And but here's the thing with this team is that I think they just needed a win. They just needed something good to happen to just stop the bleeding. Um, and I think they set, they showed so much, so many signs of growth and maturity and development in the second half against Cal. Um I think. The offense coordinator tommy reese finally adjust he accepted reality with his team and he just changed the offense basically entirely say here's what drew pine can actually do well now go do it and drew pine wasn't doing it and as you can see on the very video that went around twitter tommy reese got after drew pine you're not doing it he did but drew actually he responded very well to that kind of harsh coaching and actually went he played very well in the second half um and the defense is pretty good all around it just needs to execute a little cleaner um i literally could see Notre Dame going anywhere between like three and nine and ten and two <laughs> they have enough talent that they can legit like i could see them legit legitimately beat like clemson and usc if things are clicking or they'll lose to everybody else except unlv <laughs> <laughs>
0: No one knows. It'll go one way or the other with yeah. this program. I also, like, I grew up, uh, like, in high school. I was like, Notre Dame's where I want to go to school, so I've been following this program for a while. Um, we we mentioned Brian Kelly briefly earlier. Not the best start for him at LSU. Does that bring you any joy as a Notre Dame fan? I just, well, I just have
1: to ask. Week one did. <laughs> To lose to Florida State in a very funny way was in, was incredibly encouraging, but yeah, at this point, you kind of let 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 it be. And you know, LSU actually looked pretty good against Mississippi State last week. So unfortunately, we have to reluctantly admit that Brian Kelly is in fact a pretty good football coach who's probably going to win a lot of games to LSU.
0: <laughs> eh,
1: maybe we'll see.
0: He, <laughs> might, he might be an okay coach. Who knows? Potentially. Uh, yeah, Topher, that was all I had. Thank you so much again for, for joining us. I'm sure you'll probably be back on at some point later in the season to talk some more Gator football, maybe some more Notre
1: Dame football, maybe some more lacrosse. Who knows? Of course. I really appreciate coming on. It's always fun.
0: Thank you again to Topher. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at Topher underscore Adams for Gator football, for some lacrosse, for some Notre Dame football if you're into that uh thanks again tover looking around the gator nation at the week to come obviously florida travels up to knoxville to take on the tennessee volunteers florida enters the game as an 11 point road dog despite not losing to tennessee since 2016 and only one other time since 2004 men's and women's swimming and diving gets their season started against villanova and arkansas here in gainesville this weekend meanwhile men's tennis will travel up to nashville to take part in the commodore invitational against vanderbilt while women's tennis travels to fort myers to take place in the bedford cup hosted by florida gulf coast university volleyball will travel up to columbia to take on south carolina and on sunday men's golf starts the sec match play championship at the old overton club in alabama meanwhile florida soccer has a rivalry game against georgia on sunday at noon in gainesville um that's the show thank you so much for listening thank you again to Topher. follow him on twitter at Topher underscore adams follow me on twitter if you want at michael underscore hall 33 the jaguars are first place in the afc south so that's going to be most of the content on my feed follow alligator sports follow the alligator read The Alligator, please. We have a lot of hardworking journalists trying to bring you the best content possible. Um, Support student journalism, support local journalism, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. The opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of The Alligator.